Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Today we're starting what we call the Granary, our new challenge. A challenge goes for around six weeks and the whole idea of a challenge is that it's easy to read something in the in the Bible to know that it's true, to even to know that it's true, but to never actually put it into practice, to never actually have the spiritual discipline that it takes to put it into practice. And without that, you never see the transformation and the incredible blessing that happens when you take the Word of God and you actually do it. And so you're here for the first day of a new challenge. And I'm so glad that you're here. We'll have resources that will help you through this over the next six or probably more like eight weeks because we've got a couple of special Sundays in there as well. So the challenge is, is called We Can Know Jesus. And last year when I was praying about this year and what we should do, this is the time that I felt last year that we should be doing this this year without knowing all the things that we would be going through. And, and when I had that on my last year. I thought, yeah, I guess that's the right thing. I just thought that's what God was saying to me. This year, in the middle of isolation and COVID-19 and everything, it seems so right. So I invite everybody to really to really engage with this, to put it into practice. It will require us all to be intentional, to help each other, encourage each other. But I believe that we're going to see great blessing come as, as we um, get into this Uh, over the next couple of months. So I want to start off by reading to you from Philippians 3 because a lot of it will come from Philippians 3 today. And um, you can follow along or it'll be on the screen. And um, we'll start at verse 7. So this is written by, just let me explain first, sorry, Paul the Apostle who wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And Paul had been someone who'd experienced everything that kind of like the things that everyone wants to have. He'd highly successful, wealthy, well-known, influential, famous, had those things that we yearn for. And then he encounters Jesus and everything changes. And this is what he writes. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so he starts off with this, and it's a question for all of us. He starts off by saying, I want. He describes what he wants. He's kind of, he's had all these experiences in life. He's experienced the height of, of what people strive for. But he's come to this one point where he says, this is what I really want. So before we go further, you I'd like to look for a moment at why you might want to know what he wants and why he wants it, because it's more than just what he wants now. It's actually what he has. And if you keep reading, if you, I'd encourage you to get the book of Philippians and read it. He has contentment. 
He has contentment in all circumstances. He says, I've learned the secret of being content, whether I have a lot or whether I have little. In other words, when he has a lot, his contentment is not resting on the lot. He just enjoys the abundance that he has. But when he has little, he is still content because there's a secret of contentment that is not dependent upon having a lot or having little. It's it's dependent upon something else. He's also learned the secret of fullness of joy. He's also learned the secret of answers to prayer. He's learnt the secret of a close community that love and support each other. So the secrets that he has discovered is something really that all of us want. Therefore, when he says, this is what I want and this is what I would do to find this, it's well worth listening to what he's saying. So he says, I want to know Jesus. And the question for you and me is, what do you really want? What do you really want? Because sometimes you can think, well, what I want is money or I want a job or that I want to be loved or I want to be successful or I want to achieve this course or get this degree. There's a lot of things that we actually want. But when it gets down to the depths, you may want those things and we all want those things, but there's something deeper that's going on in you. There's something deeper that you actually want. What is it that you really want? Jesus, when he was ministering, often asked this question. There was a time when he was speaking to a man who was blind and he said to him, what do you want? And you may look and think, well, that was obvious. The man was blind. Well, the man could have said, I want enough money to get through the day. I want some food. But what Jesus was getting him to do was to really take a look within himself and ask himself, what do you really want? What, what do you want? Because sometimes we uh, chase things that we don't ever stop to actually ask ourselves deep down, what do I really want? So you might say, I want to get this degree and I want to get great results in this degree or I want to pay rise. But deep down, there's something else that you want and you believe that by having that thing that you're, you're asking for, you'll achieve what you really want deep down in the depths of your soul. And so When Jesus comes to the blind man and others and says, what do you want? And when Paul says, I know what I want, what these people have done is been able to get to the depth of their soul and discover what they really want. And so what we're discovering now in this time of isolation and the time of turmoil right around the world is um, a lot of people, a lot of people in isolation are finding who they really are and finding out what they really want. And so the question for us to ask ourselves today is what do you really want? What is it that you really want in the depths of your soul? And so if you look at that verse that we were reading before from Philippians 3 verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And this word know just doesn't mean knowing about. And many of us know about Christ and know about God. Many of us know about lots of situations. But this is, this word know is a far more intimate word. It's talking about uh, really being fully acquainted with something. And so the question is now, firstly, what do you want? And then secondly, what do you know? What do you know? So when I say, what do you know? I mean, like, what do you know intimately? When you come to a time of isolation, that's when you discover what you really know. You find out what troubles you. You find out um, what makes you feel really lonely. You find out what you are yearning for in the times of silence. That's when you discover what you really know. So what do you really want? What do you really want in the depth of your soul? Is it to, to be successful? But if it's successful, that's not really the depth of your soul. There's something else that comes from that. You ask yourself, why do I want to be successful? 
What is it that I want deep in my soul that's making me want to be successful? What do you really want? And what do you really know? What are you most familiar with when you put your head on the pillow at night? What is it that's going through your mind when things are really quiet? What is it that you really know? What are you so well acquainted with that it fills your thoughts most of the time? So before we go on, I'd just like to pause and ask ourselves those two questions. What do I really want? And what do I really know? What, what am I most familiar with in my brain, in my heart, my mind, my soul? Most of the time when I go to bed, when I'm just sitting in the quiet, when I'm in conversations, but there's something going on in my mind that's not coming out in the conversations. What is it that I really know that I'm so familiar with, so acquainted with? It may be a struggle, a battle, a worry, a fear. It may be a joy or a delight, but what is it? So we're going to take a moment now. I'm just going to invite you just to... Close your eyes for a moment before we go on and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and show us what do you really want and what do you really know. Let's take a moment and just ask the Lord that. from Psalm 16 because I'd like to us to have a look at someone who's talking as someone who really knows intimately. So this is not know about God. This is someone who really, really knows God. What does he really know? And this is what King David writes in Psalm 16. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. So he knows blessing. He knows protection. He knows that God has everything um, covered. He says, the land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. So he knows the blessings that he's been given, the inheritance that he's been given. He says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. So he knows wisdom, guidance, instruction. He knows where to go next because he's so familiar with the thoughts of God in his heart and his mind. I will not be shaken. So he knows that he won't be afraid because um, because he's got the presence of the Lord dwelling within him. He says, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's someone who really knows him. And what happens with someone who really knows him is that they have this incredible joy. It says there in Psalm 16 that in his presence is fullness of joy. So to really know him, to really be acquainted with, with Jesus, to really know him is something that transforms your inner life. So Paul says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know that life-giving power that transforms me from the inside out. And I want to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, when I first read that verse many, many years ago, when I was a teenager, I really liked it until it got to the point of saying, I want to participate in his sufferings. I, I thought, why does it have to say that? I, I like this. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to experience that life where there is fullness of joy. I want to participate in that resurrection life. But why do I want to understand the fellowship of his suffering? 
And there's something profound in suffering that we really need to understand. And I believe truly going through this time of um, coronavirus is really putting suffering right in front of us. There's the suffering that we see going around in the world and there's the suffering that we see within us as we wrestle not just with what we're seeing but with who we are and who we know and what we know and and how we actually live. And so this is what what happens when we are like what the Paul describes himself as he used to used to be, chasing for things like success and fame and fortune and all the rest of it. It's like we almost think we have it. We think we've achieved something and we've found what our hearts were desiring. And it's almost like as you grasp hold of them, they turn into sand and disappear because they never fill the depth of your being. And this is what um, Tim Keller says that we do when we're, when we're trying to work out what we really want in the depths of our souls. He says the first thing we do is blame the thing yourself, blame the thing itself. So if the thing that you wanted was marriage, a career, a salary and you get it but still within you there's still a dissatisfaction just a sort of a nagging dissatisfaction in life what you tend to do is blame the person or the situation like maybe I married the wrong person or if that person would just change then I would be happy or if I've got this great job but if I could just get a bit more money then I would be happy or if I could get this particular job I know I'd be much happier than where I am now and in some times there's there's a truth in that but there is something else that's saying you were grasping onto that to give you utter fulfillment in life and then you turn into blaming the things themselves and and if we all pause for a moment we could consider who we are currently blaming because they're not meeting the depths of the need of our souls and not giving us what we really want. Or you can blame yourself. You can say, if I could only try harder, if I could be nicer, if I could be better, if I could be smarter, and so you become very, very down on yourself. If I could reach my goals, then this emptiness would be gone. And you you feel like you yourself are the blame. You are the reason that you haven't found that satisfaction, that contentment, that inner joy, that inner purpose of your life. And so you're constantly down on yourself. Or you blame the world around you and you can say something like this. When I was young, I was idealistic, but now I've stopped crying after the moon and you've become cynical. And some people, I've seen many people in life just become hard and cynical and they just give up and they become, their hearts go like stone and you start to lose your joy, even lose compassion, even become, um, lose empathy for other people. And you might notice it at this time. Well, this is just what happens. But the fourth thing you can do when you realize that there is something deep that you want and all those things that you've been looking for aren't meeting the spot fully, they're temporary, but they're not meeting the spot fully, is uh, blaming and recognizing your separation from God. Honestly, this is the key to it. When you see the emptiness that comes from your separation with God, you realize you want to know him because the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So if you go through any situation where you're not feeling that fullness of joy, you know that there's a separation between you and you really experiencing his presence. God is always with you, but we can put ourselves into situations where we are separated from really experiencing his presence. And that joy I'm talking about is not always a jumping up and down, laughing and shouting joy. It's a deep 
understanding that comes from knowing the God who loves you and who created with you, created you, who actually dwells within you. And when we um, come to suffering, knowing that he's suffering, it means actually in our suffering, looking, allow the, allowing the Holy Spirit to look deep within us and tell us what we really want. I've discovered when I've gone through times of suffering, and it can be major suffering or just the suffering that nobody else notices that I'm currently going through because of something that's bothering me, some some emptiness I feel within me, that it's very easy to try and fill it up with other things. You can do other things. You can busy yourself. You can um, talk to other people. But when you're actually still and you look at the suffering, this is where we relate to the suffering of Jesus. Because in the suffering of Jesus, he was able to surrender himself totally into the arms of God because he believed with everything within him that God loved him and he would bring a glorious resurrection, which he did. So whatever suffering you're going through, um, the, the bottom of the suffering can be this, that you don't believe God has a great blessing for you in life. You don't believe he wants to fill your heart with joy. You don't believe that he wants to fill your heart with victory. And he does. He actually does. The place the enemy wants you to be every day is to not believe that God has the very, very best for you. God doesn't want to give you just enough. Jesus said, if you parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father want to give good gifts to those who ask him? He wants to give you his Holy Spirit, which is his presence, and he wants to give you abundant blessing in his life. But you won't find it unless you can embrace the sufferings because the sufferings show how close you are to God and they show um, what you really believe about him, about the world around you and about yourself. And as painful as it is, just as painful as it was for Jesus to die on the cross, those of us who want to be transformed into his image to really know him need to take those times of suffering and embrace them and allow his Holy Spirit to speak deep into our hearts, to tell us what we really want, to show us what we really know and to reveal to us what we really need. And what we really need is to know Jesus, to know Jesus personally, to be able to be experience his presence with us every day of our life. So what I want to do now before we move on any further is to actually take a time where we allow the Holy Spirit to point out to us what pain we do have in our life. What is the pain that we have in our life? And whatever it is, the pain that you're experiencing today, do, can you trust in the love of God enough to give it to him and allow him to give you this assurance that if you give it to him and you put your trust in him alone, that he can take this and he can turn it around for good. He can bring joy into your situation. He can bring hope into your situation. He can bring life into your situation. And if in this time, as you're just sitting in the silence, surrendering it all to him, you discover that you can't believe that God could bring any good out of this situation, you can say to him, Father, please give me the faith to believe in your love. Please give me the hope that your love is presence. And please give me a deep understanding, even though everything looks glim, that grim, that you can take this and you can work it all together for good. Let's just take a moment, just close your eyes and bring your suffering to the Lord and ask him to turn it into joy.
so finally, the aim in all of this is that sometimes Christians can talk about suffering as if suffering is the goal. Suffering is not the goal. Fullness and abundance of life is the goal. And God wants us to come to him with such soft hearts that we allow him to get to the very depth of our heart and to know him. When you really know him, I've I've read discussions about what it really means. Like this, we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And that personal relationship is so, so precious because it means that um, as you learn to listen to his Holy Spirit and be led by his Holy Spirit, you will hear him speaking to you during the day. You will know how to come to him at any moment. You may be in a crowded room or you may be all by yourself, but you will know how to come to him and hear him speak to you. You will be able to open the word, open the Bible, and you'll by the Holy Spirit, you'll feel God speaking to you personally through the words that are written in the scriptures. And by that the power of the Holy Spirit within you, not only will you know him for yourself, but you'll know him for others. You'll be able to hear his voice for others. You'll be able to have the compassion that other people need. So this whole idea of knowing him is something that Jesus died for so that you would know him personally. It's not a God that you know about. It's a God that you personally know. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, wrote this, What makes life worthwhile? is having a big enough objective, something that captures our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has, in a way, no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, more compelling goal can there be than to know God? And today we are presented with this higher, exalted and compelling goal to know God that in our suffering, we can come to him and we can get rid of all the things that are separating us from him. The fears, the worries, the unbelief, the disappointments, the heartache, we can bring them all to him and we can allow him through the suffering to transform us and those situations so that we can really know him. Sometimes you've prayed for God to do something in your life and it hasn't happened yet because the first thing he wants you to do is to come to him in the middle of your suffering and allow you to really know his hope in the middle of your suffering so that you can know that your hope is not built on your successes and on your dreams. Your hope is built on knowing Jesus. Your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and his blood that he shed for you and the righteousness that he's given to you. Your hope is built on nothing less. It's a principle that goes all through scriptures. And Jesus said in Matthew 6 that when you seek his kingdom first, and that's what you're doing when you bring all those things to him, when you seek his kingdom first, then everything else comes to you. So when you come to him in the middle of your suffering and your middle of your pain and you lay it down, what you are saying is, God, I trust you to meet all the needs in the depths of my soul. I trust you that your goodness and your mercy pursue me all the days of my life and that I will dwell in your house forever. I trust you that you love me and you want to bless me. So consider today that you have this exalted goal far greater than pursuing any dream, any pursuit, any money, any influence, whatever it may be. You may be given all those things, but you have this greater goal of knowing God. It's a greater goal. As as J.I. Packer says, I want to read it again because it's such a great quote. What makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective something that captures our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. In other words, every day, whatever you go through, have this much bigger objective. I'm not just going to get through this day. I'm not just going to solve this situation. I'm going to know Jesus in the middle of this. This is a great objective. The Christian has this in a way no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, more compelling goal can there be than to know God? So we're going to have a time of worship. Josh and Ever are going to lead us in a few songs now. And I invite you now 
to go on a journey for the next 10 minutes or so to know Jesus. You can sing the words or you can just listen to the words and let them fill your heart and mind. And I'm going to pray as we go into this time that the Holy Spirit will come to you wherever you are now and you will begin to know him more fully. I can only share with you what the Bible says, the truth about his in his presence says fullness of joy, that as we know our suffering and we present it to him, he transforms it and the Holy Spirit will do the rest of the work. So will you just take some time now to allow the Holy Spirit, if you've never encountered the Holy Spirit before, you can do that right now in your lounge room, whether you're by yourself or with people around you, you can just close your eyes and allow God to do something profound in you. And I'm going to pray that for you right now. Father, we just thank you so much that you are present here by your Spirit and you want each one of us to know you. Right now, Lord, wherever we may be, You know us. You know the very, very depths of our being. You know what's going on in us now. You know it all and you understand it all. But Lord, may we know you just as intimately. May we know your ways. May we know your goodness. May we know your truth. May we come to you now and lay everything down before you and allow you to speak to us by your Spirit to fill our hearts with hope and with joy. May we know you. In Jesus' name.